the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. A lot of news. I we covered a lot in the first hour. I gotta get you oh gosh, you know it's gonna be a good hour when the first caller you see has the topic of Dean Martin. Okay, we'll get to it in a moment. Don't go away. I had to tell you this I often talk about um the youth mental health crisis here. But I also now in tandem will almost always bring it up in the context of an adult mental health crisis we have as well, uh, which should not be ignored. And, of course, a lot of these things work downstream. Uh, healthy youth do not grow up in, um, in, in surroundings where the adults are themselves not healthy. Boy, you saw a lot of that um, in Florida. Boy, I mean, I just I hate to add politics to this issue in and of itself, but sometimes politics is a trigger. And um, and you saw some of it on TikTok and the libs of TikTok exposing it with the fights over what uh, Ron DeSantis was doing with the curriculum in Florida. You saw a lot of people exposing their mental health problems. This one is another one. Post-elementary education. The New York City professor who went on an expletive-filled rant and destroyed a student group's pro-life display why would a professor do that? I mean, they just, they, we, we can't exist. You get that to them, right? To them, we are untermenschen. We don't belong on the stage. We simply cannot exist. The New York City professor who went on an expletive-filled rant and destroyed a student group's pro-life display has now allegedly threatened a reporter who was covering, covering the story by putting a machete to his neck. Shalene Rodriguez, a Hunter College adjunct assistant professor of art, big surprise, responded to a New York Post reporter who knocked on the door of her Bronx apartment Tuesday morning by holding a machete to his neck and allegedly threatening to chop the man up, according to the New York Post. Get the you-know-what away from my door. I'm going to chop you up with this machete, the professor shouted at the reporter, Reuven Fenton. According to the report, Fenton knocked on the professor professor's door and identified himself before Rodriguez barged out of the apartment and put the machete to his neck. There's a picture of it. Who are these people teaching our children? I remember years ago a big debate about whether we should drug test our teachers. Never fly, and it won't fly with college professors, though I'm for it. God, maybe we should run them through mental health, a mental health check. We are entrusting them with our children. By the way, these are the first people who don't want resource officers on our campuses. These are the first people who don't want law-abiding people to have their own weaponry with them for self-defense purposes on our campuses. I'm telling you, I sometimes think we're held together by string and sealing wax. I really do. I really get that feeling. Again, we need more adults in the room. We need more adults the Democratic Party, as I was saying yesterday. They've chased so many of them out. All right. All right. We don't live by bread alone. John is in Peoria and wants to talk about Dean Martin for a moment. Hi, John. How are you? Hello, Seth. Good to talk. 
talk with you, buddy. Today is a big day to commemorate on a serious note. You know that, right? POW, uh, POW, Vietnam POW Memorial Day, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, indeed. And my brother-in-law was a Vietnam War vet. He yes, had two, three, uh, no, two combat tours in Vietnam. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. So, uh, yes, indeed. Thank you for remembering. You always do, Seth. Well, if you I don't, you do. <laughs> if I don't, you do. Steel, what is it? Iron strengthens iron. You, you, you will. Uh, you will remind me when I don't. But I, I was glad to get the jump on you today. <laughs> yeah, you did get the jump on me. Yes, you okay. did. All right. I might have to jump on you on this one. Did All you right. See the, uh, the the documentary, Dean Martin, the King of Cool. He was known as the King of Cool. Uh, what, how old is that documentary? It's pretty recent. It's pretty recent. I, I don't know the exact I, date Okay, of it, okay, okay, okay. I remember... Oh, I know. Yeah, I think it's within the last 365... I think it's within the last year or year and a half. I think. Indeed, Because is. I remember waiting for it and wanting to watch it and reading reviews of it, and then somehow it just slipped the radar screen when it came out, and I didn't. So it's a good reminder. You did get the jump on me on this one. I'm a big Dean Martin fan. You, and I'm going to give you one scene from it here. Okay. And you maybe have heard of this, and you maybe not have heard of this. All right. You know, Frank was uh, Frank was big, big, big politically, and he was big friends with uh, uh, John F. Kennedy. God yep. rest his soul. Oh, I know that President story Kennedy. very well. Yeah, I know the Frank story very well. Yeah. It's a great story, and here's Dean Martin. What a plain and simple and decent man. What he does is, um, and. A lot of people don't know Sammy Davis Jr. campaigned vigorously for uh, President Kennedy. Yep. And and because and Dean, uh, of course, Dean was going to have like front row seats at uh, inauguration banquet and all the festivities, you know, under the tent uh, or under the um, when they watch the parade. So he's going to be honored guest, yes. and he wanted. Uh, the rat, uh, rat Pack, or most of the Rat Pack, but John F. Kennedy said to Frank, well, we can't invite Sammy because he's married to a white woman. Mm. And then guess what Dean Martin said? I ain't going. I, don't, I will not go, Frank, because he will not invite Sammy. So interesting. So interesting. Sammy ultimately endorsed Richard Nixon in 1972. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, like Frank, he became a Republican. Um, Dean Martin had such a gift. You know what his gift was? Someone once wrote up his gift was making the hardest of the hard things look as easy as pie. That was his gift. He made it all seem so easy. He was a great actor, not just a comedic actor, but a Western, great Western film actor. Um, oh, he was. Yeah, and one of the great moments. I wonder if they covered in the documentary. Speaking of Frank Sinatra, it must have been about 1976 or so. Was when at the Jerry Lewis telethon, Frank Sinatra put him and Dean back, Jerry and Dean back together after. Oh, they do. They yeah, do cover yeah, that. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. You gotta watch. It. Yeah. Oh, I. I you you have given me entertainment. I, I appreciate no, that, got, John. I will do. Here's, here's another part of Did you know it, English too. was um, Dean's second language? Yes, it was Italian. He was Italian. That's it's right. Italian yeah, yeah. He spoke language. Italian as a little boy, you yeah. know? As a little boy. And he didn't speak English for a long time, I think, up until maybe six years old. 
He had trouble learning English. Maybe, yeah, that could, yeah. Well, he he certainly taught us how to use it in song, didn't he? And, you know, you said you used to, like, enjoy watching his show. Yeah. You know, he ad-libbed every one of those shows. I did not know that. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yes, he did. Wow. He he wouldn't rehearse for it. I love it. They get... And people love the show. Yeah, it was, and he a, it was, it was a great show. It was a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it was all ad lib, man. That uh, was Dean Martin. Well, when you're talented, ad-libbing. you can ad lib, you know. Oh, was was he talented and a half? And what a decent human being yeah, he was. Seems man. like it. Seems like it. You know, you, you don't want to examine some of these people too terribly much, but you do. Um, you know that kind of thing you, you wrestle with? You, you know, you like someone, you want to read about them and learn about them, but then sometimes you kind of wish you didn't. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the old Hegelian line? I think it's Hegel who said, no man is a hero to his valet, you know? Uh, oh, wow. you, you know, yeah. so we like Jerry Lewis. You don't want to look at Jerry Lewis too terribly much. Not the nicest of men, and you kind of get the idea that that fight between them probably was more Jerry than Dean. Probably. No, absolutely. Yeah. Jerry, uh, Jerry could be very mean. Yeah, he, yeah. he would say he was a perfectionist. You look at those some interviews he did, It's he's not someone you, you wanted to be around off stage. I don't think. I don't no, think. and as he got older, he got mean. Oh, yeah, that last Jerry. interview is the worst interview I've ever seen. Any, yeah, I know, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank but he you. Still was a, he still was a decent guy. Immensely talented. Immensely talented. Yeah. I mean, just a, a, an immense talent. That and, and charitable. I mean, you can't take away what he did for muscular dystrophy. Oh, what he did for muscular dystrophy. The, the, yeah. There's a whole wing at, uh, at the UCLA Medical Center called the Jerry Lewis something neuromuscular center or something. I mean, he was tremendous. You can't take any of that away. Anyone who makes us laugh is worth celebrating. And uh, there was one other thing I was going to say about him, and I can't remember what it Well, his talent. I mean, you know, that, that, that scene in Cinderfella where he's walking down the stairs. I mean, that was an, uh-huh. an incredible scene. He had to be rushed yeah. to the hospital. He had a heart. He had a heart. I think he had a heart attack from it. Literally, he had to go from there to the hospital. I think he did. Yeah, we could talk for a long time. We could time do, and, 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 and yet we won't because we have to press on. But, John, God bless you, and thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you, too. Talk to you soon. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. Russia, India, China, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're conducting international trade and local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency, it's real. The patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The veterans at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase, ties to social credit, own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. 
really good folks over there at Midas Gold Group. Really good group. Really good guys. All our all our all our uh, sponsors are, and um, and that's why I'm delighted to have them, and uh, delighted to recommend them to you. Um, one of the uh, one of the things you know, speaking of all this racialization in America, it it may really be the only thing that um, that the Democrats and Joe Biden are going to run on. He doesn't really give a speech, political or non-political, without raising the issue, raising the specter of it, is, you know, his warnings, his overwrought warnings about white supremacy, and white supremacist extremism, extremist violence, white supremacist extremist violence. And... Um, it's another kind of part of what I was talking about in my monologue. Shame on those who instill fear and anxiety and exploit it for political purposes. It leads to the distress that we all feel. It leads to societal anxiety that we all feel. It leads to extremist behaviors and extremist thoughts and it needs to stop it needs to stop there 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 i understand is an investment in the left making it seem like everything is always awful here and they manifest that in many different ways whether we're a sick society and all need to mask and fear and hide from each other and cancel family gatherings and stop visiting the sick or the aged um, closing schools all that stuff is is certainly one part of the manifestation, but also talking about us in 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 such in such hyperbolic ways that it it belies not only reality and common sense but sanity sanity I mean why do you think professors and teachers engage in this kind of violence that I was describing and public mental health breakdowns or mental health breakdowns in public that I was describing in the previous segment? Michael Schellenberger, along with uh, a few other reporters, did a pretty good takedown of what this white supremacy nonsense is all about. And I want to read it to you. White supremacy, domestic terrorism, and violent extremism are all on the rise, according to the FBI, the news media, and top government officials. They point to the January 6th Capitol riot, the Patriot Front white supremacists who recently marched in Washington, D.C., and yesterday's crash into a security barrier near the White House of a U-Haul truck carrying a Nazi flag. But there is no evidence that white supremacy, domestic terrorism, and violent extremism are actually on the rise. By filing multiple January 6 cases rather than a single one, FBI inflated the statistics, as we have documented before. Little is known about the almost entirely masked participants of the Patriot Front, which did not respond to our request for an interview. And the crash of a 19-year-old man with a Nazi flag into a security barrier is as likely to have resulted from mental illness as political radicalization, as is often the case. Let me parenthetically point out that man himself was not white. Nobody doubts that there remains domestic violence and domestic violent extremism in America. In the last decade, there have been 77 racially motivated homicides associated with white supremacy, noted FBI whistleblower Garrett 
O'Boyle, pointing to a recent FBI report. Think about that. In the last decade, there have been 77 racially motivated homicides associated with white supremacy. Perhaps the Patriot Front is a genuine, rapidly growing white supremacist organization. And perhaps the investigation of the U-Haul crash of the 19-year-old man will reveal a broader neo-Nazi plot. But it's also clear that the FBI, the news media, and politicians are grossly exaggerating the threat of white supremacy, domestic terrorism, and violent extremism. 77 racially motivated homicides or violent crimes are seven a year. 77 over the last decade are seven a year. Each one awful, but that's not some sort of huge epidemic of white supremacy that's going on. It's hard not to be suspicious, by the way, of yesterday's U-Haul crash. The law enforcement who arrived at the scene of the U-Haul crash against protocol carefully laid out the Nazi flag as though trying to create a photo op. They actually did. They took a picture of it, kind of like they did with the classified documents they got at Donald Trump's house. It wasn't evidence they were collecting. That's not how you collect evidence. You don't stage it and do a photo op like that. The Patriot Front is weirdly mysterious for a group supposedly committed to building a movement. Quote, these guys were arrested and processed without ever taking off their masks or their backpacks, close quote, noted an FBI whistleblower who asked to remain anonymous. It's like they're in character and the cops already know their identity. The government has put monikers on people and organizations I know to be false, so I don't take their word for anything. And it is particularly hard not to be suspicious given revelations that federal and local law enforcement may have had undercover officers and informants present at various riots. As for discrimination, surveys of public opinion show that tolerance for racial and sexual minorities is at an all-time high in the United States. As such, what's increasing isn't white supremacy and domestic terrorism, but rather disinformation about those issues. Yesterday, we described how President Biden, the FBI, and mainstream news media are exaggerating the threat of racism and violence as a strategy to discredit, demoralize, and demonize conservatives. Today, we present strong evidence that the FBI is targeting and investigating Americans who hold other disfavored views, including around Russia and animal cruelty, as well as those individuals who plainly suffer from a mental disability or illness. I can go on with this story of Michael Schellenberger's, and I'm glad he did it. But please, please don't buy the misinformation and disinformation. And when it's all in one political direction and it's against all evidence, shame on those who try and put us in fear unduly so. They're creating, they're trying to create anxiety. They're trying to create something that if they unloose it, I'm telling you will be a whirlwind. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Did Charlie Pride ever do that on Hee Haw? I can somehow see that he might. Did you ever watch Hee Haw, David? No. Are you familiar with it? I'm oh, to say I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, did I find an Achilles heel here? Oh, you would love it. Okay, you, tell me. Oh, it was a huge. It might have been at one point. It might have been. It might have been the number one variety show in America. Huh. In like maybe 1968-69. fabulous show. Uh, featuring mostly country music, and people like Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers were regular fixtures on it. Uh, it was hosted by uh, Buck Owens and um, Roy Clark, 
And uh, Buck Owens uh, used to own some radio stations around here. The, the one with his guitar on it uh, was the big one. Uh, KNIX, I can say that. It's, um, it's we, not a competitor of ours. Um, yeah, it was a great. Yeah, it's an interesting cultural point, actually. Um, when you look at uh, the way history is written about 1968, and it was an awful year in many respects, but when you look at it uh, from the lens of the um, of the of the progressive historians, I'm trying to think of the one who died recently from Columbia University. He loved. He wrote a lot of books about the 60s. Uh, God, I'm. Uh, his name uh it doesn't matter um when you look at the popular progressive histories of america from the late 1960s they really do try and confuse um the popular culture with the counterculture but you know if you look at what the top tv shows were in those in those uh, in those years you will see shows like hee-haw uh or even you know Gomer Pyle, USMC. <laughs> what? You, do you know? Of course I know Gomer you, Pyle. You know Gomer Pyle. Uh, you know, and, and, and shows, shows like, um, probably Lawrence Welk, God knows. <laughs> but, yeah, shows like Hee Haw. And um, it, it, was just, it was just a great show uh, and a lot of great musical talent. You, you could probably find old episodes of it. I bet you'd like it. You sure know who thing. Buck Owens is, right? Of course. I love his music. And, yeah. Roy, and Roy Clark? One of the most talented musicians. I don't know if there was a more talented banjo player in the country. All right, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I whet your appetite. Oh, I got you on pop culture, huh? You did, yeah. Why did did I go there? Oh, Charlie Pride came in. As long as I have you. You wanted me, you know, you can have one one an hour. What what is it you want me to, speaking of pop culture, vanilla ice cream, what am I supposed to, what what, what is bothering you about vanilla ice cream? You know, nothing's bothering me about it, but, you know, if we're on the topic of uh, what's going on in America yeah, and sure. you know, talking about young people. And I recently heard this, and uh, you'll forgive me if I don't remember who, but it was a popular conservative uh, you know, social media personality mentioning that vanilla ice cream in and of itself tends to be conservative, that the only people that would go out there, probably besides President Biden, the only people that are going to go out there and say that they want vanilla ice cream. He doesn't order vanilla. He orders chocolate chip. Well, I know well, this because reporters keep asking him these tough questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big, like, what kind tough. of ice cream yeah, did yeah. you get? And he always says the same thing. It's chocolate chip. Well, but- the idea of, of it being enough, is, this guy was saying, is... Uh, a very conservative ideal that you don't need to have strawberry syrup or chocolate chips or that, you know, the brain has been preconditioned by society in a sense that vanilla is not good enough, if that makes sense. And that's, you know, a very conservative ideal to to be satisfied. And yet I'm not with this conversation. You're not, you're not I'm not satisfied. satisfied okay. I, I will say this. I will say this. If you've ever eaten at a fancy restaurant or a fancy meal where they serve a little vanilla ice cream between courses, it's a nice thing. To cleanse the palate. Yeah, it's a nice thing. And I have this long-held belief that every meal should end with green tea ice cream. Oh, that is delicious. Yeah. yeah. That should be enough. But vanilla is the conservative thing? Okay, maybe. It's just the idea that you know people that like vanilla probably are going to be more conservative. I worry what Joe Biden would do with that statement. Yeah. yeah. As an example of... 
ice cream extremism. We have 50 seconds. Where's a good place to get green tea ice cream in Arizona? <laughs> Any Japanese restaurant. Any Japanese restaurant. Yeah. you, you got ja- a few you can tell uh, me about? Every one of them. I love or them all. we have to talk about this with Sam Stone. Yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah. it with Sam. Tell Sam, bring in Japanese restaurants. I got a few. We'll be right back. Is that Roy Clark? Yeah. Ghost Riders in the Sky? That would be correct. Give him a second. Yeah, he's... Very impressive. He, oh, he's he's a virtuoso. Yeah, he's a virtuoso. Uh, un, uh, unheralded, when we talk about great guitar players, everyone runs to rock and roll. And uh, good enough, fair enough. But he was... Uh, whew, uh, he's yeah. He was maybe the Eddie Van Halen of <laughs> bluegrass and country western, uh, or country. Uh, remember how I've been talking lately about it? My friend uh, Steve encouraged me and taught me about this notion of the importance of protecting certain words. I think it was part of my monologue yesterday and maybe one last week. Protect the word victim. Protect the word racist. Protect the words that are important. I think I was talking about it yesterday and respect of travel emergency to Florida, you know, let's not engage in such word inflation that we render the word meaningless, just like financial inflation, where we have, uh, you know, where we, where we render the currency meaningless. Well, they're still at it. The Democratic North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper declared a state of emergency on Monday over what? Floods? Hurricanes? An attempt in an effort to stop a school choice bill from passing the state legislature. A school choice legislation, school choice legislation is the cause for him to declare a state of emergency to stop it. Cooper released a video announcement where he declared a state of emergency, arguing that the state of public education is no less important than other emergencies. Quote, it's time to declare a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. There's no executive order. This is no, there's no executive order like with a hurricane or the pandemic, but it's no less important. You know what the effect of this is? Do you know when there really are, you see this a lot in Louisiana, you've seen it in towns in Florida, but you've seen it a lot in, in, um, in uh, parts of the South that are that are subject to these huge hurricanes, category, uh, you know, high category storms, and then you always get these, you know, press conferences with governors, mayors, local law enforcement telling people, "Please evacuate! Don't stay here. If you stay here, we can't we can't help you. We won't be able to help you. You will suffer. You will maybe even die." It is a state of emergency. Evacuate, evacuate. And then there's always the people that don't, right? There's always the the story of those that don't. And, of course, you know, one wishes they would have listened to the law enforcement official or or the political leader. One wishes after the fact that they did. How many more people are going to just stop paying attention to these states of emergencies having nullified their importance and, and, and poignancy over... Regular politics. Regular politics. A school choice bill. And by the way, highly debatable. I can give you more, I can give you more research showing school choice improves education than not. 
There is more. There is more social social science research supporting the benefits of school choice programs on the education of a community than not. It is a highly debatable proposition that school choice will create a state of education emergency. I don't even think it's a debatable proposition. I think the emergency is that it'll put teachers' unions in a lesser, less strong position than they had before. Quote, the governor speaketh. It's clear that the Republican legislature is aiming to choke the life out of public education. Choke the life out of public education. I'm declaring the state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. You know, shame on these guys. Again, elevating, elevating a legitimate political debate, a legitimate public policy debate to something we shouldn't be able to talk about. It's an emergency that Republicans would even think about it, a state of emergency. And what can you do in the name of a state of emergency, by the way? You know what you can do in the name of a state of emergency. You want a state of the emergency? How about the fact that 300 and – excuse me. Let me start that over. You want a state of emergency? How about the fact that 110,000 Americans died from drug poisonings last year? And the number grows – Higher by the tens of thousands if you include accidents, car wrecks, car crashes, and suicides. That doesn't include that. When you hear that 110,000 number, and you're not going to hear it very much because the stat came out last week to no media. Do you realize what that is? Do you realize what that is? We could build more than two Vietnam memorial walls every year. With our yearly poisoning death toll, we spoke about POW Day. You go, you go to the Vietnam War Memorial. Those, those, that long dark wall. Some call it a scar in the ground. Goes on and on and on forever with name after name after name. It took about what fifteen years to amass those names. Those fifty-eight thousand souls. You could build two walls, two of those a year, with our drug poisonings. You know what the largest football stadium is in the Western Hemisphere, Bill? Do you know what the largest football stadium in America, but also the Western Hemisphere? I, I looked it up, so I do know. Would it, be, would it surprise you to know it's the University of Michigan Wolverines? You agree. Yeah, you could see it. Can you imagine that full to capacity? Now empty it. That's 110,000 people. Two major airline crashes per day. I want you to think about that. An American Airlines and a Southwest plane crashing into each other every single day in America. We haven't even begun to talk about, that's just deaths. Just deaths. That's deaths. What about everything else we wrestle with in this country? Violent crime, chronic homelessness. Serious education. You want an education? You want to talk education deficits, dropping out, and low education scores? Drug use is a chief contributor to everything I just said violent crime, chronic homelessness, and education problems. That's. You want a national. Where are the headlines on that? And where are the governors talking about that? Where's any national organization, be it the governor of North Carolina or the governor? Board of Governors of the NAACP. You want a na- you want a national emergency? That is a national emergency. You add the suicides and the 
and the fatal car wrecks to that 110,000, you get a September 11th a week. A September 11th a week. We used to think these things were important. Now we think school choice and traveling to Florida is a, is a, is a, is a state of emergency. Boy, are we deprioritized. What do you think the uh, economy's doing under Joe Biden? Let me count the ways. People are worried about a recession. They're worried about inflation that's long past transitory. Stock market volatility, bank failures. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why Refi? They are locally based. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there a few times. I can tell you that you will not get a sales pitch. No one will ask you to sign a thing. And when you meet with the gang over at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. To his uh, credit, my erstwhile producer and now uh, assistant uh, programming director, Bill, has been telling me to get off Google for a long time. And uh, he's right. He's, he's, he just is. And I encourage, if you want to know what Google thinks of you, I encourage you to check out John Hinderocker's post at Powerline by the same name. What does Google think of you? He goes, I know what they think of Powerline and of me because I asked Google Bard, the company's new artificial intelligence application. Um, I did this because a friend emailed me dis- a, a disparaging description of Alpha News, which was generated by Google Bard. So I asked, is Powerline a reliable news source? This is the answer I got. And it's factually incorrect in almost every detail. Quote, Powerline is a conservative news and commentary website that was founded in 2005 by Eric Erickson, John Hinderocker, and Scott Johnson. I have no idea where this came from. Eric Erickson Erickson has never had anything to do with Powerline. (laughs) Next, they say the website has been criticized for its lack of transparency and its tendency to publish inaccurate or misleading information. Really? Criticized by who? On what basis? It's a typical reporter's trick which AI has apparently picked up. Google says in 2010, Powerline was accused of publishing a false story about the death of a Democratic National Committee employee. The website later retracted the story, but the damage had been done. John writes, I have no idea what this is about. I searched our site. I could find no reference to any DNC employee dying in 2010. I have no memory of any such event. And we certainly never retracted a story about the death of a DNC staffer. Also note the gratuitous, but the damage has already been done. They just threw that in on top of a false claim. This is how they do it, folks. This is how they do it. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.